welcome and thank you for joining us for the this episode of Ganado Meets, where Ganado team members meet sector leaders to informally discuss topics of interest. I'm Stephen Attard, a partner at Ganado Advocates Corporate Team. And for today's session, I am pleased, very grateful to have with me Dr. Geraldine Svetari-Lucas, who is the CEO and Registrar at the Malta Business Registry. Geraldine is a lawyer by profession and she has been a registrar and CEO since October 2021. Before that, she was also Chief Legal Counsel at the MBR and she had also worked in private practice uh, before. Welcome Geraldine and we're delighted to have you uh, on our podcast series and we can move on to tackle issues of interest. And perhaps to kick off, I'd like to discuss with you a little bit the role of the MBR as it has evolved and what do you envisage to be MBR's role today? Over the years, as we know, the MBR has moved from initially being simply a depository of documents which have to be filed under the Companies Act to a greater role, which we can now see today in terms of being almost a semi-regulator in certain, in certain aspects. And this obviously has brought about with it challenges. It's uh, an evolving role. And I would like to hear from you a little bit your thoughts as to how you view MBR's role today. And uh, in particular, uh, how you look at the need of having a good balance between the role of the MBR when reviewing documents submitted to it and the role of practitioners and their responsibilities when preparing documents for filing with the MBR. I'll hand over to you for some uh, initial ideas. Great. Uh, thanks for the invite, first of all. Uh, so yes, as you rightly pointed out, uh, we've moved f- from having a registry that is quite passive to a registry being more, taking more a proactive approach uh, when we register documents and, and, and new companies, etc. Uh, and I think that this came about uh, by the MBR being granted uh, being a supervisory authority under the PMLFTR. And uh, this for the reason that the information that is being uploaded on uh, the MBR portal is used by various uh, important uh, competent authorities in Malta, such as uh, the FIU, MFSA, the police. And so we had to ensure that the information that is being uploaded and registered uh, with the registrar is indeed accurate and up-to-date as much as possible. Um, Also, since we are the administrators of the register of beneficial owners uh, as well uh, we need to ensure and this emanates from the directive itself that we need to have uh, and we have to ensure that the information is indeed accurate and for that reason we have uh, a fully fledged compliance unit uh, we conduct on-site inspections etc so we are uh, trying to do our best in order to ensure that the information is indeed correct and up-to-date when it's being delivered uh, to us. Yes, sometimes you might have to juggle between where to, where to stop. Uh, so, okay, we, we used to uh, take documents until a few years ago, almost as is. So we just do a few checks and that's it. Nowadays, we enter into more details. Uh, to more detail, uh, we screen the involvements um, and we, we do a lot of internal work uh, in order to ensure that 
every company is given a risk score. So we do a lot of work uh, in the background. We have to be careful that we don't cross the line, especially when we are dealing with uh, lawyers that are advising their clients. Um, the law is not always clear. Uh, so as MBR, sometimes we have to take a step back and let uh, the lawyer guide their own, their, their own clients on what uh, it is the best to submit and how uh, to do it. In fact, if I can pick a little bit on this point which you're mentioning, which is a very valid point, which I think many practitioners are uh, facing you know, uh, at this stage, as the even the staff complement at MBR has increased, you know, the need of striking this balance which you are referring to has become more and more important. So where does the desk officer uh, stop in terms of uh, looking at documentation and querying documentation? And how far should therefore the legal advisor who is preparing the documentation, how much should that legal advisor uh, take on responsibility for certain documents after an interpretation of the law? And I think this is a challenge which we are all facing, you know, which as you rightly pointed out, you know, we're seeing also ramifications in practice of it. Yes, we have to be careful that when practitioners are filing their documentation, they need to ensure that at least the basics are correct. Uh, just uh, a way of example, it's important that if one is quoting a passport, uh, the passport number should match to the actual passport, because sometimes you find these discrepancies as well. Uh, also, a very, very common mistake is when we have resignation of directors, and the director is resigning, uh, say, 1st March 2023, and he is signing uh, the form in his capacity as, as director today. Um, so that, that for sure we need to go back to the practitioner and check uh, again. Uh, and sometimes it requires corrections in order to ensure that the information is correct. However, there are instances where we as registry should rely more on what is being advised to the company. When we are not in agreement, because as I said, uh, the law is not always clear, uh, we ask for a legal opinion in order to ensure uh, that what is the advice that is given to the company is uh, endorsed by uh, a lawyer, a law firm, etc. Sometimes we find this issue that uh, our desk officers are debating with a lawyer and when we tell, uh, we tell them to reduce that to writing, they refrain from doing that and they go as we have proposed. Uh, so that's why we are now uh, more emphasizing that if we are almost sure that we are correct, but uh, the view of the other lawyer is, is not the same. We ask for, for the legal opinion. And I think that is a good way forward in terms of uh, corporate practices where ultimately the people who are giving the advice should shoulder the responsibility for the advice they're giving to their clients. Um, uh, and uh, at times, you know, even the drafting itself, the drafting by legal advisors is focused on uh, ensuring you know that the commercial objectives of clients uh, are achieved and as long as that is not contrary to any provision of law um, I believe that sort of the registry officials should be giving more weight towards that drafting approach and not necessarily insisting on changes which are not really uh, of any particular legal impact um, for, for the registry. So 
Picking on a little bit now on the recent changes which we've seen at the MBR, I know you have spearheaded a major organizational change, and I would like you to share a bit your experience of the impact this has had so far. Um, from the practitioner side, as you are aware, you know the primary goal of having an efficient registry, a registry which is able to process documentation as efficiently and as fast as possible is a key uh, objective. And uh, perhaps you can share with us some thoughts as to what your uh, rationale for this organizational change at the MBR was and how you believe that this can help in achieving a better end product you know, for practitioners in the corporate world. Yes, um, the reason for doing the restructuring was specifically that I believe that when you specialize and uh, that uh, when you know something in a lot of detail, you will be able to process documentation more efficiently. And for this reason, we have um, a team who is responsible for company incorporation, company in uh, the, the solutions and uh, also shipping companies. And that team, uh, we've seen an improvement. Uh, so company and corporation nowadays, um, when there are uh, no correction requires or, or minor corrections required, uh, we have uh, around 8% of them being registered within 48 hours. So um, we've improved in, in that regard as well. In relation to the shipping industry, we also saw uh, some positive feedback uh, as well. Uh, for example, good standings are being issued more efficiently because the documents are being processed almost immediately. The same for uh, companies that go into liquidation. Then we have a second team uh, that is we call the ongoing team. This team is in charge of processing the uh, the notifications like changes, the most common ones, changes in directors, changes in registered office, and uh, there is a good uh, chunk of uh, documents that are being registered every day. Um, uh, so they have, they have a lot of volume uh, to process. Something positive from uh, this unit that came out was uh, the fact when you have, for example, a, a Form K, for a group of companies, you have uh, an appointment for a group of companies that that is th that the same individual is appointed, say, on 20 companies. Uh, we adopt a homogeneous approach in the sense that an individual will see that uh, that transaction as a whole. Uh, it doesn't mean that a particular individual is working on all the form case, but there is someone who will be foreseeing uh, that that transaction. And we ensure that if we are going to send back the form K for correction, it's going to be uh, uniform. Uh, in the past, we used to struggle by one sending the form K because there was the date missing, uh, one because the name wasn't written correctly. Uh, so. Uh, we used to give some divergent views also from, from the registry side. Uh, then we have the third team, uh, that is the team in charge of uh, what we call other transactions, like cross-border mergers, divisions, um, public companies, and uh, CCAVs, and uh, changing currency. 
This team had to struggle because we have transposed the mobility directive earlier this year and so everything was new for everyone. So for the MBR, for the practitioners, for the foreign uh, jurisdictions. So uh, they had to struggle uh, a bit more uh, than than the other units. Um, uh, but now we're, we're there, so six months down the line. Uh, we did um, some three cross-border mergers, so... We're getting familiar um, with these transactions. Um, uh, and I believe we've seen also an improvement uh, in relation to public companies uh, because public companies are being given priority when documents are being processed. So are we perfect? No, we are not perfect. We still have to work um, more. Uh, however, uh, I believe that as time goes by, we'll have these teams specializing more. Uh, they are given specific training as well for for every every area. And I believe that we will uh, be in a better position uh, next year uh, to, to, be, to, to start processing more documents more efficiently. In fact, there's been a lot of uh, focus in recent years, not only in the corporate world, but generally even in the financial services area in Malta, of the need of raising the bar, raising standards. We have seen as well the enactment of rules to regulate corporate service providers. There has been consolidation in the market as well as uh, the need was felt that persons who are uh, working in this field need to have sufficient resources in order to comply with all their obligations and to provide a good service to their clients. I think what you're mentioning here about the uh, way how these three teams will operate is very fundamental, you know, that we have a raising of the bar on all fronts. So professionals, practitioners, legal advisors have to indeed, you know, take up the challenges which they are facing with all the plethora of legislation which we have, uh, all the compliance obligations. But equally, as you rightly said, even the desk officers within these teams need to essentially uh, give a consistent interpretation and have an approach which will be predictable so that the outcomes are, let's say, more uh, in line with everyone's expectations. So I think it's right that the registry would expect professionals and practitioners to have high standards in terms of the documents which are submitted. I understand your concerns and frustrations when you have documents which are filed in an incomplete manner or an incorrect manner with the registry. And I believe you also can understand the frustration of practitioners when documents are actually thrown back because that has a very important implication even for clients when precious days are lost, you know, when actually there should either not have been in the first place any uh, any reaction because it was not necessary by the desk officer or as they take it takes time until it goes to and fro. So that I think is something which we all need together in the future continue working to improve. Uh, no one is perfect here, as, we, as you rightly said, and therefore we have to see how we can all uh, improve our, our systems. And that brings me to the next topic I wanted to discuss with you in today's world. We all know the importance of the digital tools which are available, and obviously the MBR has been working as well in terms of upgrading its web portal. And uh, practitioners are obviously looking forward to this as a way how the uh, system can work even more efficiently. And perhaps I 
would like you to share with us a little bit your views on, to, on in terms of the portal and what you expect to be able to obtain through it and generally where we stand in terms of uh, moving towards that uh, new portal. Um, hopefully we are now in the final stages of uh, the the finalization of, of the portal. It took us years uh, to implement it. It was not an easy job at all um, because we we didn't want to only uh, have an online portal, but to have it as much as user-friendly as much as possible. And also in line with uh, EU regulations. For example, uh, in the process, the digital signature, uh, we had uh, to do it in line with the EDAS regulations. So we're going to have a qualified signature that will be, uh, that anyone can apply, uh, practitioners, um, directors, secretaries, that anyone can apply and can, of course, use um, the qualified electronic signature. That's uh, the first step. Um, in relation to company incorporation, uh, we are there. So uh, the testing was uh, carried out by the practitioners and there are no longer any uh, issues um, on that. Um, and as a way forward, we're going to have, uh, so any company can be incorporated via the the online portal. Um, we're also almost there in relation to the notifications. So mo most of uh, the notifications, the most common ones for like the Form K, uh, the Form Q, uh, the Form T, uh, they, are, they are also there. And we are also trying to collaborate with the Commissioner for uh, Revenue in order to ensure that everything can be done online, even when there are uh, notifications that need to be done to the tax authorities. And uh, even in relation to the dissolution, so we are almost there. Hopefully we will, we will be launching this um, later on uh, this year, uh, probably the, the last quarter of the year. And uh, we look forward to make a more positive experience, uh, both as company corporation level, but also during the existing, uh, the existence of a company. Good. Um, we are roughly now, well, we're more than one year since Malta was uh, removed from the FATF uh, grey list. And as we know, one of the action points which the FATF had requested Malta to focus on was the beneficial ownership register, which essentially falls within uh, your remit. And uh, I believe, you know, that Malta has actually made, you know, changes in the right direction. And this has obviously led towards, you know, Malta no longer remaining on that grey list. And perhaps if you can uh, let us know a little bit, you know, how you look at this area of beneficial ownership and the uh, forms which are filed by practitioners, whether you've seen any improvements and what is generally also your uh, observation in relation to faults or whether there have been any significant amount of abuses in the in the area by practitioners or companies generally the beneficial ownership topic is a topic really close to my heart and that's because uh, we've passed uh, through a lot during the FATF evaluation which we've learned a lot so as a jurisdiction uh, almost every month we are giving lectures to other jurisdictions on how uh, they can establish the register of beneficial owners. So that's something uh, really positive. In relation to uh, practitioners, company, disclosing the BOs, etc., we've seen um, 
a lot of improvement. It was literally a changing culture. So I was involved from the very beginning. So in 2018, I've seen uh, practitioner resist, practitioners resisting <laughs> providing the bio information. Nowadays, uh, it's a totally different story. It's uh, it's it's like uh, any other form. So it, it's filled in, and um, we don't encounter any issues. Um, issues of interpretation, yes, uh, the law is not clear in the sense not the Maltese only, but also um, there are a lot of discussions being held at EU level, especially in relation to control via their means and what uh, does it constitute control via their means. Uh, so we've seen a lot. So the majority of discrepancies that we've seen weren't purely concealment of beneficial owners. Uh, there were more discrepancies of um, practitioners mixing up uh, the control via their means with the senior managing officials. Um, uh, so uh, beneficial ownership concealments, there were around um, 10, um, I believe, in 2021 and 2022, around 8. Uh, so purely concealment of beneficial ownership, we can't really say that it, it is something that is worrying us because it's 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 not the case. Uh, it was more a case of not giving the right interpretation. And Which in a way, you know, is uh, comforting even for us, as, for Malt as a jurisdiction, uh, in the sense that, you know, the FATF concerns, I think, are have been more than adequately uh, addressed. Uh, we see nowadays, I would dare to say, that Malta has probably the most transparent beneficial ownership system throughout the EU. I mean, we do come across our practice, you know, the other other jurisdictions, and I can say that the a facility of obtaining all this information, you know, and having this accessible to the MBR is something which I think can make the country proud of. And uh, having such uh, issues of interpretation focusing on uh, control, which obviously are issues which are not that straightforward, you know, in order to establish, especially when you have uh, entities coming from, you know, the North American or uh, Western European environments where they are used to having multiple tiers of uh, entities within their group and where perhaps it's not so evident as to how you would determine where control is being uh, is being exercised. And this is a challenge, I think, which both practitioners and the registry uh, have to face. And perhaps this is one of the areas as well where, as you pointed out at the beginning, uh, the evolving role of the MBR uh, it has to be seen as well in this context of how far does the practitioner interpret and come to a view as to who has control, who is to be identified as the beneficial owner, and how far does the registry official get into that analysis? As you rightly said, if it's blatantly wrong, then yes, I think that's correct for the registry to raise. But if it's then down to interpretation, uh, my view here is that we should be leaving that interpretation up to the practitioners and the registrar processes the documents on that basis. I don't know if you agree with this yes. uh, approach. I fully agree with that. And uh, even because at the registry, we are only seeing the end result. We'll not be aware of all the transactions that is happening, um, especially when there is the filing of the BO2. Uh, because if there is a change, the, I'm sure that the lawyer is much more involved than what uh, the desk officer is seeing. Uh, in relation to when we carry out an on-site inspection, 
sometimes we do enter into discussions with uh, practitioners because we are seeing the documentations and for example there is a POA diverging someone um, identifying someone that ha- it has all the control of for example a certain amount of shares a majority of shares and the practitioner for example doesn't agree with us so sometimes we do enter into debates in that regard um, uh, however no generally I fully agree that if there is a legal advisor advising the company um, uh, we should uh, I can say that we should always say that it's fine um, uh, because uh, there might be instances where for example the practitioner is trying to also hide uh, the beneficial owner um, uh, however if we see that uh, there, are, there are good reasoning behind the disclosure uh, we should not uh, continue asking for for more information basically and that brings me to my final question for today's podcast session uh, the Companies Act now has been enacted for quite a long number of years and we've seen changes recently uh, as a result of the transposition of the mobility directive they're very important uh, uh, amendments you know uh, which are relevant even for international business in this country but we probably should also be looking at uh, further updates to the companies act i think the time is ripe for legislative amendments and that will enable everyone you know both the registry as well as the practitioners to uh, identify those practical issues which one has experienced over the past and address them legislatively perhaps can you just share with us a little bit you know what mbr's views are on uh, you know the updates to legislation the initiatives which you are taking even within the context the wider context of the financial services industry in malta Yes, for sure that uh, the Companies Act is crying to be updated. Uh, that's for sure. Um, even though you see it at face value, we amend the Companies Act uh, because of transpositions uh, of directives almost twice a year. Uh, so we do what is necessary and that's it. Uh, we... We also, uh, when we transpose legislation using uh, subsidy legislation, Sometimes uh, there are issues as well. If we take, for uh, for example, the Mobility Directive, there are now discrepancies between the Mobility Directive as transposed and the, the normal local mergers. So that, that shouldn't be either, just to, to give one example. So, yes, um, my intention is that after uh, we launch the online system, then uh, we, we embark on this huge project to amend uh, and update the Companies Act. It needs, uh, for sure, amendments, and uh, we need to make it in line with all uh, legislations, even in the light of uh, the financial services strategy, the national financial services strategy uh, that we are currently pushing forward as well. Um, So, yes, I agree with you. Uh, We need, for sure, to carry out amendments to the Companies Act. Thank you very much, Geraldine, and we look forward to continue working with you and all the registry officials so that the uh, corporate area can be indeed one where there is full coordination between all the stakeholders and that we can provide, therefore, a better, more efficient and a seamless uh, system for all users of the MBR. Thank you very much again.